Welcome to Evangel Church, where we believe in seeing changed lives changing lives. Again, my name is Pastor Chris, if you're new here, and we're so glad that you're a part of our service. Today's been a special day. We've had a lot of exciting things to talk about, and uh, we're going to get into his word now. One of my favorite times is when we get together weekly to look at God's word together and to grow together and to take steps in the in the relationship with God that we have. And so if you're a follower of Jesus today, um, that's the goal of this journey, isn't it? Is so we can look more and more like him at, at, as we step every day with him, as we walk out our life with Christ. We are in a series of messages entitled The Power of Habit. And uh, this series is going to take us all the way through the month of July. You saw in our announcement video today um, about questions that you might have. And I just want to give a little plug for the series that's coming up in August that you don't want to miss out on. Uh, again, we're going to go through all of July on the power of habit, but when we get into August, we're starting a brand new series. I don't think we've ever done a series like this before um, here at Evangel on a Sunday morning, but we're calling it You Asked For It. And basically, we're going to confront some of your biggest questions. So if you have questions, things you've been wondering about, and you might say like this, why don't I ever hear anyone in church ever talk about... That might be a question that you have. So you're going to have an opportunity to submit those questions. We're going to get together with our pastors. We're going to pray, and we're going to have a series of messages. We're going to be tackling some of those difficult questions together on Sunday mornings in our services. Amen? Amen. You don't want to miss out on that. So again, you saw the website. You can do evangelchurch.com slash you asked for it or you asked for it at evangelchurch.com and submit your questions. Please start sending them now and give us time to pray and reflect, and we'll kick off August walking through that series. If you have your Bibles, would you open with me? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 for the majority of our time in the Word today. And if you want to um, put a place mark there, you can also go over to uh, Matthew chapter 11 because I'm going to touch on that as we jump into our message. Again, we're talking about the power of habit. Um, this series is a part of what I'm calling a summer of shaping for uh, June and July. I just believe that the two series that are back-to-back, -back, what we have just walked through, four people every person needs, and this series on habit, I believe, are, are transformational if we allow the principles of God's Word to be applied to our lives. You see, God's created us so that we would have a relationship with Him and so that our lives would be changed, truly. The Bible says that if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past, the new has come. Part of that transformation is that Christ is working in us, the Holy Spirit is working in us, but also God is putting people in our lives to help us live out our faith every single day. And that's why we need some of these key and vital relationships in our lives, and I pray God is allowing those to be developed in your life, and that in the weeks to come, God will bring people into your life to be a mentor or someone that would disciple you, to be someone you'd pour yourself into, or someone that would encourage you along the way. And then when we talk about habits, that's the next most important thing in our lives. We are ultimately what we do in our lives. And I said last week that we can have uphill dreams, but we can have downhill habits, meaning our habits can allow us to rise or fall. Ultimately, we can have the greatest intentions, the greatest desires. All those things are great, but our life is often measured, and we'll see the most growth or lack of growth based upon the habits that we hold. So I said it last week, and I'll say it again, the relationships, right? The relationships that you have and the habits that you hold in your life are the things that I believe are going to shape you the most. And so we have some habits, many of us, all of us. You have habits that are helping you in your growth to become more like who God has called and created you to be. 
You have some habits that are downhill habits that are dragging you away, that are holding you down, that are keeping you back from pursuing everything God has for you in this life. And as I'm go- going through this series and I was looking in some different areas um, on the idea of habit and getting some background research for the message series, I uh, came across a book that I'd seen years ago um, called uh, The Power of Habit. It goes by the very same title as our series of messages. And it's written, uh, and the author, his name is Charles DeWig, and Charles um, has studied extensively um, how habits are formed, how to change your habits, and how to experience um, transformation in that area. Uh, the Power of Habit, that book, it's really about helping you understand why habits are at the core of everything you do, how you can change them, and what impact they ultimately have on your life. Through his wide um, uh, ability to research and study over years to get ready to write his book, he came across some incredible findings that are connected to what we're going to talk about today. One of them is this. That in every single day, between 40 to 45% of what you do is automated in your life. And when I say automated, it means that you're running on autopilot. You're actually not thinking about what you're doing. You're not actually making a lot of those decisions. They become so second nature that you just go through the motions without even thinking about it. In fact, some of you, you get up in the morning, you get ready for work, you drive to work, and literally you forget what the drive was even about because it was just something that just happened. Um, In fact, if you, how many of you, this is not the first time you've been to Evangel Church. Let me see your hands go up around here. You've driven. How many of you keep your hands up if you can get to the church without using a GPS? Chances are you're running on autopilot. You're not even thinking about it. You're just turning. You're having conversation. You're not, you're not thinking at all. You're just running through the motions. They say that most of the accidents that happen are within very close uh, proximity to your home. Do you know why? Because you're not thinking anymore. You're just going through the motions. It's become such a habit in you that you turn, and it's the same every single day. It's so habitual that when something out of the ordinary happens, you don't know how to respond. You're not ready for it. I've learned the hard way. Here in Scotch Plains, I better watch as I'm driving because a deer could come from anywhere. Somebody say amen. My SUV learned that the hard way. It was very bad. Um, Now, when I'm going home and I'm near my house in my neighborhood, I've never seen wildlife at all. I think the worst wildlife we have is a cat that runs around the neighborhood or something. That's it. Well, don't you know, a couple days ago, as I'm pulling down a street, I'm coming back from the store, a street I would never have expected a deer runs right out in front of me. And I, I didn't hit it, but I did not know what to do. I like shut down like, what do I do? Like a deer, like I was so shocked. I almost hit the thing, you know, and I like swerved and had to stop. And it wasn't like I was driving too fast. It was just because I'm conditioned to ride these routes the same way and and always experience the same thing that I would have never expected that to happen. So what happens, we become conditioned with these habits and doing the same thing over and over and over again. The more that um, Charles studied this idea of the habit, he actually realized there are kind of three core parts to any habit that you have in your life. And he calls it the habit loop. And I want to talk to you about this for just a moment. Again, it's all driving towards what we're going to be talking about in the message today. Um, The idea of a habit loop is really made up of three things. This is what helps form and keep habits in your life. It's about a cue. Come on, say cue with me. Routine and reward. Cue, routine, reward. So what happens with the cue is the cue is ultimately the trigger. It's the trigger that tells your brain to get into some kind of um, routine, to do something. 
And then when you do something, if you get a reward, if it's good, it's either good or bad. If it's good, then it'll say, okay, then you should do that again next time. Um, and the more that you do that over and over again, a habit is formed. So you have a cue, a trigger, something that triggers the response. The routine is the habit, ultimately what you do. And then the reward is the byproduct of that that reinforces that it's a good idea to keep doing it. And so a lot of time and a lot of energy has been spent on the routine, the habit. And we talk about this habit, that habit, and we, we focus on that. But what he really expands it into is thinking about the cue, what's triggering, what's the impulse, what's, what's triggering that behavior, and then what's the reward that's going to reinforce that and kind of keep it solidified. And so, again, the trigger is what tells your brain to do that. Then there's the routine that can be physical, mental, or emotional. And then there's a reward that helps your brain figure out that you should keep doing this over and over and over again. See, what we have, you and I, whether we know it or not, is we have a ton of cues that are, if, we, if 40 to 45% of our day is being run on autopilot, you know what's happening? There are things that are happening. There are triggers that are happening. There are cues that are firing. And when that cue takes place, we have an impulse to just do this thing that we naturally do, that we always do. It's a habit in our lives. 40 to 50% of your day is being functioned by a bunch of habits that you have that you keep doing over and over again. You've even stopped thinking about many of them. I want to talk to you today about that cue, about that impulse because you have to think in your own life about when certain things happen, what's my natural response to those things? And it might be when I get angry, what's my natural response to that? When I get hungry, what's my natural response? When I get thirsty, what's my natural response to that? Whenever I'm lonely, what's my natural response to that? Whenever I'm in a crisis mode, what's my natural response? People either have their response maybe to fight or to fly and to run away. See, there's all of these things that happen, and I want you to know that your life, in your life, there are probably a ton of impulses that you have that you just do things second nature and naturally. That's the way you've positioned your life to respond to the many things that have happened. But you know what? We're not who we used to be. The Bible says we're a new creation in Christ. And because of that, I believe that there's a new impulse that if you don't have that in your life, there's a cue that needs to take place that needs to drive you in a different place because where you're going, what routine you get yourself into because of the things that happen in this life, See, we can't always change what's going to happen, what's going to happen around us, but we always have the power and the ability to choose what will we do as a result of that? Which way will we choose to go? In a way that leads to life or a way that leads to death? I want to give you an example of this while this is up and fresh in front of you. Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, he says this. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. This is an example of exactly what we're talking about here. What's the cue? All who are weary and burdened. So when you're feeling weary, when you're feeling burdened, what do you normally do? I run here, I run there, I run to someone, I try to use something to fill that void in me. I, I do destructive or self-destructive things. I have this habit that I lean on because... I feel weary and I feel burdened. Here's what Jesus said. Don't run there and don't run there and don't run there. Come to me. Come to me, all you. So that's like when you're feeling this way, come here. Come to me. Don't run anywhere else. And what will happen? What's the reward? I will give you rest. All these things will deplete you. All these things will stress you out. None of these things will help you or make you whole, but I will. So when you're weary, when you're burdened, when you're heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. There's a woman in John chapter 4. 
She comes to a well at the hottest part of the day because she's thirsty. But we see that her thirst goes so much deeper than you could ever imagine. The people around her had seen where her thirst had led her because she had a ton of inappropriate relationships. You know why? Because there was a longing deep inside of her that she could never satisfy. She couldn't satisfy it from the water that she was drinking at that well. She couldn't uh, satisfy it in the many ungodly relationships that were happening in her life and the sin and in the shame of her past. But she kept coming back to that well and it seemed like she kept going back to all these wrong places to try to find her fulfillment. But one day she came to a well and Jesus was there. And he said, if you're thirsty, you should ask me. And when you ask me, I'm going to give you living water. You have this water. It will never satisfy you. You're going to keep drinking it over and over and over again. You're going to have a hole in your heart that can never be filled. But when you're thirsty, if you come to me and ask me, I'll give you living water that will spring up to eternal life. Do you see how when we change our response, when we change what we do, it changes everything. So this is what God's Word is talking about. This is what God calls us to, is that if we're going to live this life in Christ, that we need to learn to have some different responses, some different impulses inside of us. And here's what I'd say. For the many things that happen in your life, when you're lonely, what do you do? What's the habit that is formed? When you're stressed, what's that, that response? When you're tired, what's that response? When you're hungry, when you're threatened, when you're in need, when you're in crisis, all these different things that flow into your life, what is your natural response to those things? And here's what it is, I, I think, for many of us. It's for us to do something in our own strength to try to deal with it. That's how we're naturally wired. We take it into our own hands. And I want to tell you today that I believe God's Word is showing us a better way. Because Jesus said, however you're feeling, come to me. You know what the answer always is? Come to Jesus with whatever it is that you're facing in this life. And when you come to him, watch what he will do. And so that's exactly what we're going to do this morning. We're going to come to Jesus and look at what he would call us to do and who he would call us to be. And I believe the place that we see Jesus go to when he's faced with every challenge that he had in his earthly ministry, do you know what it was? It was to the place of prayer. It was to a place of prayer where he would get alone with God, where he would seek him. I want you to know that we have to stop fighting our battles in our own strength. We have to stop running and trying to figure everything out on our own. Church, we need to become a people again that are marked by our pursuit of God through prayer, by getting back to that place. What would it look like in your life if you could develop a habit of prayer that when anything happened that maybe threatened you, when anything happened that shook your world, when anything happened, that caused you to have that kind of overwhelming sense that your first place to go would be the place of prayer. How much would change in your life if this became an impulse? I want to bring you a message today entitled Prayer Impulse because I want us to develop an impulse, a cue that would push us to the place of prayer each time. And for us to do that, we need to understand some framing thoughts around that and how we're called to pray. And as you begin to put this into practice regularly, studies show that it takes up to 21 days to form a habit in your life. What if over the next 21 days you would develop a habit of prayer that would help you to respond in all the right ways to the many things that happen in this life? Respond in the way that Jesus calls us to and models in the Word of God. If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, we're going to explore what these look like and how these work. And so the first thing that we're going to do, and there are four kind of 
points that I want to focus in on today, how we're called to pray. And these come directly from Scripture, directly from God's Word. And we really see them underscored and we see them modeled in the life of Christ and Jesus who calls us to come to him and learn from him. And the first one is this, that you and I were called to pray privately. Pray privately. It's good when we can pray together. It's good when we can have prayer gatherings. We're going to have one tonight. All that is amazing. But I want to tell you, if there is an absence of private prayer, then I want you to know that those moments lose their power because there is an expectation that the Lord has of all those that would follow him that we are connected to him in private prayer. Here's what Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full, right? Talk about it. Cue, routine, reward. Jesus said, when they want to pray, they just run to the streets. And when they run to the streets, people kind of look at them, and they're kind of now doing it only in the presence of others, but unfortunately, that's the only reward they get for it. Jesus said, don't just let that be the way that you pray. Don't just pray when other people are around. Don't just pray when you're in large groups. Don't just pray when the pastor cues you to pray. Pray alone. Here's what he says in verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. And when your Father who sees what's done is secret, he will reward you. He's going to, there's a reward in prayer. There's a reward when we come before the Lord and we seek him privately. But I believe that we need that. We need that because many of us, we, and I want to just share with you that when we come to this verse of scripture, you can get this picture of these overly zealous men all dressed up, um, standing in the streets, praying on the street corners and thinking, I would never be that kind of person. But the difference that Jesus is really talking about is between private and public prayer. If all of your prayer is just in public when other people are around, you have to ask the Lord and go before him and go before his word. I told you last week that God's word can be like a mirror, that as we come to it, we're meant to be challenged. We're not meant to come to it and try to justify our behaviors, but even to say, Lord, is, is the only time that I pray when other people are around? Do I have any time that I just spend in prayer with you and me? And if the answer to that is no, it's just around other people say, Lord, what's going on? What's the motive of my heart behind that? And allow your life to be shaped by the word of God and say, Lord, I will make it a priority to pray privately just to seek you and just to spend time with you. It's so important because I believe this is a key part of our formation. This is a key part of your life and your life being changed is a time. It's in the furnace of private prayer. It's getting alone with God. I know some of the most significant moments in my life and in my growth with the Lord, they've come in times where I have set aside pockets of time and spaces that I could get alone with God. I think the most memorable one for me has been when I was in college, we had a large closet and it was a walk-in closet. And I still, to this day, haven't had it as luxurious as I did in college. I don't have a walk-in closet at home. One day, if I do, it'd be fun to try this again. But 
But we had a walk-in closet, and I had an area I could put a beanbag chair, a little lamp, and set up a little bookshelf. And I went in there, and that was my prayer closet. I'd go in there, and I would just pray, and I'd pray in the morning. I'd pray at night, and I'd just seek the Lord. I'd journal. I'd write down my prayer requests. It was during that season. No surprise that one of the greatest things that ever happened to me took place. I met Mandy, and we started dating. So, uh, so I think God answered the, one of the big prayers for me, and, uh, and I'm blessed. Amen? Uh, I'm very blessed. And but I remember what was so significant was just being in that place of prayer, just having that opportunity to be with the Lord. And so this is something that's so vitally important. It's so vitally important for us to, to understand that this is where God can shape us. This is where God can change us. But he says something. He says, when you go into your room, there's a phrase that is added there that I wondered, did it, did it really need to be said? But I know that God's word has purpose behind every syllable and every word. What does he say? He says, go into your room and then what? close the door. You know what happens? I think sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking we're praying in private because no one else is around. But I want you to know that if this is around, everyone's around. Are you with me? I want you to know that if, if you're in that private place of prayer, but someone likes your Instagram post and you go to look at the Instagram, you haven't closed the door. Are you with me? If you go there, but then you have to go and you have to, to get the email alert and, you know, someone calls you and you you haven't closed the door. You know what Jesus is talking about? He says, get alone with God. Disconnect from everything else so you can connect with him. When you think, I would even, I would even go as far as to challenge you that whenever you're in the car and you say, oh, that's good, I'm praying on my way to work and start 99.1's on and you're listening to this and you're thinking about that and you're you know, going through all that, is that a time where you, I mean, it's a good time to be able to pray and clear your head and ask the Lord, but, but I don't even believe that that is what Jesus said. Get alone with him. Get alone and close the door. Shut yourself off from everything else. Don't feel like you have to focus on anything. Focus on him. And watch what he does. Just, just a few moments a day of doing that, I believe, could change your walk with God. It could change your life. It could change so many things about each of your days if you could just be alone with the Lord and spend time with him and in his presence. Oswald Chambers um, had written it this way in one of his great devotionals. He says, prayer is an effort of our will. After we've entered into the secret place and we've shut the door, we've listened to that, one of the most difficult things we could do is pray. We cannot seem to get our minds into good working order when the first thing we have to often fight is our wayward thoughts. I don't know about you, but as soon as I can get alone and as soon as I do have time to pray, do you know what I start thinking about? Everything else, a flood of thoughts comes into my mind. I'm praying, oh, Lord, you know, help with it. Oh, hold on, what about that? And did we check that? Does that bill do on that day? Did that person ever email me back? Oh, hey, we've got to make sure we, oh, i got to put that on the grocery list. Come on, am I alone? You know what I'm talking about. You, like, just have a ton of things that are going on. You know what we have to do? We have to take those thoughts captive, as God's Word says. Say, so, Lord, I separate that. I put that aside. Lord, I'm closing myself in just to be with you. And watch the peace that could flood into your life when we take that seriously. So we've got to pray privately. Amen? You with me? We got to make that a priority. And when we do that, when we're deliberate with that, God can infuse life into us. It's a time of refreshing. As you make that time, you protect that time, God will refresh you in his presence. We also, the second thing we have to do is we have to pray purposefully. And what I'm talking about here is that when we pray with purpose, um, it means that we're not just praying to pray. We're not just praying to just go through the motions. In fact, Jesus warns in Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, he says, when you pray, don't keep babbling like the pagans do. They think they're going to be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. 
Your prayer is meant to be specific and authentic and sincere to come from your heart. Don't feel like you have to go through the motions. Don't feel like you have to speak out all these words so eloquently. God hears you. He says, don't just babble on, but pray with purpose. Pray intentionally. Come before God each time with a freshness in the way that you'd pray, in the way that you seek Him, and know that you could speak to Him. As a son speaks to his father, God's looking to hear from you in that way. You don't have to come with him. Some would, you have to watch yourself even. I was reading something this week about this and someone said, watch, some, whenever you do go to a place and you're audibly praying, you might feel that your inflection, your voice changes because you feel like you have to pray in this certain way that isn't, even maybe you, you have like your prayer voice. And that's not bad, but like, just know that as you come to the Lord, take off the facades. Like, he's not interested in who we are pretending to be. It's not like he hasn't been with us the whole week. We can't enter the prayer closet and say, I've been a saint. He's like, I know what's going on. It's like, Lord, I'm sorry. Like, here, here it is. This, is. this is what's going on. Not coming to him saying, oh, Lord, I'm not worried about it. No, he knows. He knows the anxious thoughts. He knows it all. So come to him sincerely, authentically. Come to him humbly. Come to him, no, confidently, though, because we can approach the throne of grace with confidence, the Bible says. And as we do that, God meets us right where we are. But make sure that that prayer time has a purpose. It's purposeful that you're coming to him. And you're not just going through the motions. I think some of us, and maybe you're like it is in my home, um, when it's time to pray for a meal, we have, the, we have the prayer down pat. We, like, know exactly what the prayer is. We can say it so fast that we, like, you know, are breaking bread within a moment. Um, sometimes that loses its purpose and power, right? In fact, you even see the Lord's Prayer, what Jesus taught us to pray for many it can become something that just becomes rote memorization make sure that you're refreshing yourself you're understanding the purpose and power behind every word that jesus called his disciples to pray take it very seriously when you're asking for your daily bread that you're asking him to forgive you and to help you forgive others help him Ask him, take very seriously every part of that when we say your kingdom come and your will be done. Like, 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 let's not just go through the motions. Let's understand the purpose behind every word that we pray before him. That's what the Lord desires of his people. Third, we have to pray persistently. It's so important that we're persistent in our prayer. I, I think of the word persistence, and I think that persistence can sometimes have a synonym and be a synonym for annoyance. Um, that, I mean, if I'm too persistent, people are going to be turned off to that. If I'm too persistent, like that could really make someone very mad or frustrated. We think of our children, if they're a little too persistent about wanting a snack or wanting this or wanting a toilet, they give you a little view into my home, you know, wanting some applesauce. My daughter loves applesauce. She's very persistent about that or fruit snacks, okay? Uh, she comes all the time asking, and we're like, all right, honey, honey, no. Um, that can become a bit much. But here's the amazing thing. God calls us to come to him like that. He says, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep looking, keep reaching out. I mean, you think, well, God, if I asked you a few times in prayer and, and, and I'm not seeing anything, then evidently you don't want to help me. And we stop asking. And we stop lifting up prayers. And not only do we stop asking about that specific need, our our hearts start to doubt God that he would work in anything. And think, well, he, you know, I didn't feel like he came through there. I asked him about 10 times or 100 times, and I prayed, and I felt like nothing really happened. And so uh, I'm done with that. You know, I, I guess I'll just 
take that as a no, and I'm just going to move on. And you get to another thing, and you're like, ah, is it even worth it to pray? I don't know. And you can kind of just start to lose heart. And before long, you're not lifting up big prayers of faith anymore. You're just kind of going through the motions, just praying passively, not persistently. Jesus calls us to pray persistently. Here's what Paul says in Colossians 4, 2. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. That phrase there, whenever you look at it in the original language, is number one, it's a command. So it's something that's imperative, something that we, you and I must do, um, that, that as a follower of Christ, we're called. This is an option for us. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, pray without ceasing. Continue to pray. That word there in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, it literally could mean and be interpreted persist in prayer. And this word that's used here, it's used 10 times in the New Testament, four times are connected to prayer. Four of the 10 times that that word is used for persistence, it means in connection to prayer. So I want to tell you something today. Don't feel that although you've asked and although you've prayed and you've been seeking for it, but it hasn't happened, it hasn't changed. You don't understand God's hand in this moment. He invites you to keep coming to keep praying, to keep seeking, to keep knocking. You say, that, that frustrates me, Pastor. Here's what we have to learn to do as followers of God. Pastor Marsha mentioned it earlier today. That when we don't understand God's hand, we have to always trust His heart. We may not understand His hand, but God is faithful. We can always trust His heart, and His heart is for us. His heart is for His children. And I believe his timing is perfect. I believe he moves and his will is, is right. And so we have to trust all of these things. But what Jesus tells his disciples and tries to get instilled in them is to keep asking and to keep seeking and to keep knocking. In fact, he says in Luke chapter 18, as he's going to go on to give a long parable about a woman who would just keep seeking and keep reaching out and, and kept asking until the man relented and gave. Here's what Jesus said was the reason behind that parable. It says he was telling them a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. I believe I'm speaking to somebody today. Maybe many in this room, you've lost heart in some area of something you've been praying for. You've come to just believe it's just not going to happen. And I want you to encourage you, don't let your word be the final word, but continue to come before a God who is loving, a God who loves you. Keep persisting in prayer. Keep praying. Keep regularly revisiting that time of prayer. Keep seeking his will. There's one uh, man named F.B. Meyer who wrote the book, The Secret of Guidance. And he says this. He says, the great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer. It's unoffered prayer. The greatest tragedy is not unanswered prayer. It's unoffered prayer. It's when we stop offering prayer to God, stop seeking him, stop reaching out to him. So let's not let our hearts do that. Let's continue to seek him, continue to lift up prayer to him, continue to look to him, even when we're not sure, persisting in prayer. Persistence also means that we're doing it regularly, that we have built in a routine where we are regularly praying. And when we're learning what it means to pray and have an impulse to pray for everything that might come along in our day, if you feel that someone's going through a challenge, then maybe you could pause even there and pray with them or pray for them. To learn instead of offering, we, we're called to offer a hand, but also what if before that or during that you're also praying and asking God and inviting him into those moments, those challenges, whatever it might be. Finally, we're called to pray privately. We're called Whenever we pray, 
And as we seek God to do it with purpose, purposefully, we're called to pray persistently, continually revisiting, praying regularly, being devoted to prayer. But finally, we're called to pray passionately. And you know what happens when we're doing something passionately? It means that it becomes a passion of our heart. That when we do something with passion, it's infused with passion that's in us. It's not just something we do. It's something that we're about and that forms our life and takes such a key place in us. And when we look at the person and work of Jesus, when he walked this earth, we could learn that prayer was a passion of his. It was something that he did passionately. It was something that flowed out of his life. It was something that was a response to so many of the things that he came in contact with. It was his natural response whenever certain challenges and things came along in a wide variety of areas. And we see from God's word that we are called back to that place of prayer when we face those same challenges. But it has to be formed in a passion in us. I'm going to invite Pastor Rick to come forward with the worship team at this time. As he does it, I want to read to you from a book by S.D. Gordon. And this is an excerpt where he talks about how Jesus was passionate in his prayer life. And this book's called Quiet Talks on Prayer. Here's what he says. How much prayer meant to Jesus. It was not only his regular habit, but it was his resort in every emergency. However slight or serious, whenever perplexed, he prayed. When hard-pressed by work, he prayed. When hungry for fellowship, he found it in prayer. He chose his associates and received his messages upon his knees. When tempted, he prayed. If criticized, he prayed. If fatigued in the body or wearied in spirit, he had a recourse. And he turned to his one unfailing habit of prayer. Prayer brought him unmeasured power at the beginning and kept the flow of unbroken and undiminished power through his ministry. There was no emergency, no difficulty, no necessity, no temptation that would not yield to prayer. Jesus practices all throughout his ministry. In fact, you'll see all these pockets throughout the word where it says Jesus went away and he prayed. And when the disciples were looking at him, he was off praying somewhere. You know why? Because Jesus knows what you and I have not yet seen, how reliant, how dependent we must be on God as our source. Do you know why your prayer life isn't as it should be at this moment? Because you're more dependent on yourself than you are God. That's why. Because you are more dependent on the strength and work of your hands than on what God can do in and through you. That's what happens at the end of the day in Jesus who had all power and all authority he realized he is my source church we have to get back to that place that place of childlike dependency on God that we'd say you're my source again and when we get alone with him we pray and we find strength in him and when we do that, we align with his purpose for our lives and we're persistent and we're continuing. We're making it our everyday routine and habit in our life. And it soon becomes an impulse because it becomes a passion in our life. You know, here's what I realized, that my heart follows my passions. My heart's never far from my passions. And when my heart's there, I'm there. So I want to tell you, if you're passionate about golf, guess what? People have a hard time keeping you off the golf course. If your passion is for something else, it's hard not to just be there and for that to show up every single time if your passion becomes prayer guess what every roadblock and every challenge and everything you know what you keep seeing you just see it as opportunities to pray the same way that a golfer sees every opportunity also I can go golfing I could do that like like when your passions there you're there 
When your passion is for prayer, you begin to see things with a different lens. You begin to say, this is an opportunity to pray. This is an opportunity for us to seek God. This is an opportunity for God's power to be on display. And your impulse becomes to pray. You know why? Because you formed a habit of prayer that is formed in your life when you realize this is where my power really comes from. It's not for myself, it's from Him. Church, we need to change the way we think about prayer. We need to change the way we think about how we live our lives and how we respond to the many things that happen around us. See Jesus during his ministry at so many times and moments when he prayed. Every time we see Jesus praying, it becomes this passion that flows out of him. In Luke chapter 3, at his baptism, he prayed and heaven was open. When we pray like that, heaven opens, church. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, he prayed before he chose his disciples. He spent the whole night in prayer for guidance. In Luke chapter 9, verse 29, at his transfiguration, while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different. We can be transformed even in the place of prayer. In John 17, he prayed for all those that would follow him, that we'd be kept from evil, that we would be sanctified by truth, which is his word. This is the heart of God. In Luke 22, Jesus, as he spent the night in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says, after being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. In Luke chapter 23, verse 24, the most painful moment where Jesus hung on the cross, he prayed. I want you to know there's no challenge, there's no pain, there's no trial that you can go through. I believe that it is worse than what Jesus has gone through for you. And even in that moment, he prayed. I want you to know you could pray. Don't close yourself off. Don't go into a room and close the door and get alone with anything else, with your own thoughts. Go and get alone with God. Let him minister to you. Let the Lord touch you. Let the Lord be with you. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man can do what? It can accomplish much. Greater things God has in store for you but it comes through being in the place of prayer, developing a habit of prayer in your life that will allow everything else to flow through you. So I challenged you last week, if you weren't here, about God's Word and allowing God's Word to be formational in your life again, to be shaped by the Word of God. And to do that, that means that you take a first step if you don't yet read the Scripture to read the Bible for just 10 minutes a day. And I, I commend many of you that have taken that challenge and if you have desire to do it but haven't yet jumped on for that, please do it now. Start today. Begin today and begin to make that a habit in your life. And for the rest of that challenge, I said in once a week, memorize one verse. Memorize one verse a week. I was so overjoyed to see someone send me a message this week and said, Pastor, I've memorized three verses of Scripture just this week. I've committed them to memory. Praise God. If you've done that and taken that challenge seriously, those are now hidden in your heart. You've taken that. Take God's Word in. So spend just 10 minutes a day doing that. But now what it would look like to form a habit of prayer in your life and a priority there, that if for just 10 minutes a day as well, you'd add to that. And you'd get alone some point in your day and you'd close out everything else around you. Close the door. Plug into prayer. Seek God. And then throughout your day, allow your first impulse in many circumstances you face to become prayer, praying and seeking God. Watch what God will do to change and shape your life as a result of that. Watch how some old habits can be broken. Watch how it's replaced with a dependency on God and how his power can work in and through you. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning?
I'm going to pray for you. But before I do that, I do want you to make a, a decision today to apply the Word of God to your own life and to your own circumstances. You know how your life lines up with the Word of God today. When Jesus said, when you pray, don't just pray in public. Don't just pray when people are around. But go and be alone and pray. Are you doing that? Are you practicing that? Do you have a regular time set aside? If you do not, then allow God's word to shape you today. Make a commitment to Jesus. Lord, I'm going to commit to pray privately. I'm going to commit to find that alone time with you once every single day to just be me and you. And as you commit to do that and apply, you know, those four steps that I'd given you to pray with purpose and to pray persistently and to pray passionately, they all work together. They don't got to work alone. All four of those really have to work interconnected to one another. And as you apply that to your life, watch how God works in and through you. But it starts with a commitment on your end. So right now in the presence of God, just between you and him, would you just make that commitment? If you felt challenged today and you're ready to see a new habit formed in your life that you want to develop an impulse not to do what you used to do, but to go to the place of prayer to be changed and transformed. Just make that commitment right now between you and God, and I'm going to pray for you. Lord, you see every heart and every life, Lord. God, you see those that are watching online, those that are here in this sanctuary today, Lord God, those that are seeking you, that have heard this word. And Lord, today we want to align our lives and be shaped by your word. And so, Lord, we come to the place of prayer and we see, Lord Jesus, how your impulse was to pray. Lord, it was the answer to so many of the challenges that you faced. And Lord, you're showing us that it's the answer to so many of the challenges that we face in this life. Lord, help us to have the right perspective, Lord God. Change the way we think, I pray, by the power of your Holy Spirit. That we would not see things as we used to, that we would not have a dependency in ourselves, but we would shift that dependency to you. That you would be our source and our power and our strength that we would realize that our true power comes when we're on our knees in prayer. Lord God, teach us what that means. Bring us to the private place of prayer. And would you refresh us? Would you empower us? Would you strengthen us? Would you reveal yourself, Lord God, to each person that will take that step, Lord God, in these coming days and weeks? And Lord God, would there be a habit formed in their life that would carry them through the rest of their lives, Lord God? And would their lives be infused with power, Lord God? So, Lord God, we pray that now, and we pray that you'd strengthen us, Lord God, that you would continue to lead and guide us. Lord, I pray that as we make prayer a priority, I pray for habits and addictions and bondages that the enemy has been using for far too long to be broken in the name of Jesus. That, Lord God, as we take steps in your word and in prayer, Lord God, I pray that every scheme of the enemy would be broken, that your people would walk in a freedom they have never experienced before, that they would sense an anointing that they haven't felt before, I pray if someone hits their knees again today, that healing would flow in the name of Jesus, Lord God. That a miracle would take place that they've been waiting long for, Lord God. That you would work in power, Lord God, as we persist in prayer. So, Lord God, we commit this word to you now, Lord God. Go before us. Allow it to take root in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. You can stand with me this morning. God is good. We're going to go from this place with thanksgiving in our hearts and applying God's word to our lives.
And um, again, I'm thankful that you got a chance to be a part of this series with us. If you need prayer, we have a, a prayer team that will be up here in the front. And we'd love to come in agreement with you in prayer for anything that you might need um, a touch from God in. So please come forward at the end here if you'd like. Uh, you could stay in worship or uh, avail yourself to everything we have going on out in the foyer. God bless you, and I uh, will see you next Sunday. We hope you have been challenged and blessed by this message. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com.